gorgeous people, and welcome to another TV Central 101 podcast. I'm Aaron Ryan. Latecomers follows two strangers with cerebral palsy, Frank and Sarah. After watching um, their carers hook up at a bar, Frank and Sarah decide to explore their own relationships with sex and each other. The show is possibly the most important and well-crafted series I've seen. It is bold, distinct, and heartwarming. Today, I chat to Patrick Genua, who plays Elliot in the series. This guy is an absolute emerging star. Patrick, thanks for joining me at TV Central. My pleasure, Aaron. Thanks for having me. Patrick, first up, congratulations on Latecomers. Was there a weight on your shoulders in acting in this show? Because this has such a distinct and important message. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a really good question. I definitely, definitely kind of felt the gravitas of the story right from the moment I auditioned, I think, um, purely because it's, it's, it explores dynamics and relationships and themes that we've never seen before, or at least I've never seen before. Um, the expression of, of sex and intimacy in relationships of people with disabilities, it's just something that is so, um, it's so radical and revolutionary, but it shouldn't be. Um, so yeah, I think the, the, the honor of being a part of telling it is definitely something that I recognize from the moment I auditioned. Um, and yeah, that kind of sense of honor and the weight of the project, as you mentioned, definitely is something that was ever present throughout the whole shoot. I was constantly, um, yeah, just in awe of, of how special and unique the whole process was and, and how, how significant the story is. Um, that was something that, yeah, I think that, that never wavered or that has never felt uh, normal for me, I guess, how important it is. So let's set this up. Yeah, it is predominantly about four characters. Um, set the scene for the series. Yeah, so it's set in um, Newcastle. Uh, so a kind of somewhat sleepy beachside town. Um we meet Sarah and Brandy, played by um, Hannah Diviny and Miriam Smith. Um, uh, they're out on the town one night and they bump into myself. Um, uh, I play the role of Elliot and my best mate, uh, Frank, who um, is played by uh, Angus Thompson, who is also our writer, one of our writers. Um, they meet each other at a bar and um, I think as it's, as it, as it says in the script, they kind of recognise immediately that they are versions of each other um, in this kind of somewhat isolated environment, this close-knit community. Um, uh, Frank and Sarah start a conversation. Um, they start getting to know one another and myself and Sarah's carer, um, we hook up at the end of the night. Um, and that, yeah, that's no spoiler. That's something that's kind of very much an inciting incident that, that, um, is well known. Um, and, uh, yeah, that basically kind of triggers this whole conversation around sex and intimacy and relationships for people with disability, um, visibility within sex as well, uh, for people with disabilities, um, as, as Frank and Sarah start to open up to one another, um, yeah, some, some, some tensions kind of develop, some romantic tensions, some, some uh, animosity feels like a strong word, but there are some <laughs> conflicts in there um, which, which begin to brew. 
Um, and yeah, it's kind of all wrapped up in a way which is unlike anything I think audiences have seen on Australian TV, which is something we're all really proud of. I can definitely attest to that. Um, both both Frank and Sarah have cerebral palsy, um, as you mentioned, and, and the show shines a light on an unrepresented group in our community and then takes that one step further and explores the issue of sex and, and those with a disability. However, is it just me or is this overtly representative of people with disability, but at the same time almost not making it the focus, just four people interacting together and navigating life? Yeah, very, very much so. I mean, there is so much nuance and so much complexity within each character's relationship to love and, and you know, their, I guess, for want of a better word, their baggage that they might hold when embracing romance or embracing love or intimacy or things like that. There's so much complexity and so much nuance within those themes as well. Um, that is such a fascinating undercurrent to to the bigger picture um which also you know adds the aspects of of you know living with a disability amongst all of that so i think there's some really there's some really interesting themes that we explore around relationships throughout this series that everyone can relate to or at least everyone has seen or experienced in a friend or loved one in the past um yeah it's definitely got that broad broad relatability when you're preparing for a role like this in, in your mind, um, is, it, is it really the same process for something like this um, as opposed to, I don't know, running around an island with a gun on sea patrol? Is it, is it the same process or, or, or completely different? It's, fun, it's funny. I, I kind of wish I approached the work with the same sense of imagination I had when I was, when I was 12 doing that, doing that job. Um, but, yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, the process for me, I, I definitely prior to the beginning of the rehearsals, I had a recognition that this would be a really unique filmmaking experience. Um, my background, I have a background outside of acting, uh, working as a student learning support officer in a primary school. Um, and a big aspect of that job is actually um, as a carer. Um, I started that job at the end of 2019 and that kind of carried me through the pandemic um, and that was my very first insight into working with people with disabilities and and understanding the different needs of, of working within those spaces. Um, so I guess what I came to the project with was a, a, a recognition of um, the considerations that that need to be made for a workplace to be safe, to be supportive, to be productive. Um, and I know the nature of the film industry working very quickly and, and you know, kind of um, efficiency and the most economical solution being the priority. I knew some of those things would have to be adjusted um, in, in our filmmaking process, purely because of my experience as a, as a disability support worker in the past. So that was something I was kind of cognizant of in my own preparation. Um, and I think how that differed from, you know, things I've done in the past was I think I approached it with a kind of openness um, and just a readiness to, to, to do what was necessary because I know, you know, my fellow colleagues, like all of our, all of our needs would be very different. And we're also working within a, a, a kind of um, 
somewhat restricted um, uh, schedule being we only shop over, I think, about 14 days or maybe just under from the top of my head. But, um, yeah, that's not a huge amount of time to get a lot of stuff done. So I, I was very aware that there would be different needs um, in approaching in approaching this, this particular job. Um, and then, yeah, in terms of character stuff, I like to just trust my my you know my ensemble and the director and and just absorb as much of the story as i can i try to be as reflexive as possible with that stuff anyway so yeah i i, I guess um there were some extra considerations but i was definitely up for it and and yeah like i think as i spoke about earlier the honor of being a part of the story was something that carried me through that and supported that so was it just a coincidence that that, that previous work that you mentioned um, sort of helps with this series or is that how you got into it or was it just the usual audition process or, or was there a connection there? Yeah, there was actually um, no connection between my work as a disability support worker and this job prior to the audition. Like I, I, I had met uh, Madeline Gothier a couple of times um, and prior to auditioning and I've, been friends with Liam for quite a while, Liam Hayne, our producer. Um, and they had no idea of my experience in this kind of field. But obviously when I got the audition, um, I was like, well, I really know this world. I really have experienced these dynamics. Um, and I think if I'm honest with myself, a little part of me felt like I was the, the best person to play this role. And I really wanted to be the person to play this role because I, I you know, I take with great kind of um, respect the importance of, of creating an accessible or contributing to a safe and accessible workplace in, in whatever way I can. Um, and, you know, reading the audition scenes, I kind of, I, I, I felt that was the most important thing that whoever gets cast in this role, I hope that they acknowledge the considerations of 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 taking on taking on this character, um, and you know, I didn't want to be too pushy about about my you know experience in that role post the audition. I kind of just sent the tape off and let things play out. And um, fortunately, and kind of um, yeah, really, it's a remarkable coincidence. It all it all kind of came. It all kind of came through, um, and yeah, I was I was the lucky person that got to that got to play the role. Um, so yeah, complete coincidence. But I I I was um, yeah, I really recognised the honour of of kind of my past work experience and, and being able to bring that into bring that into a, a, a filmmaking workplace. Well, let, let's break your character, Elliot, down. Um, he is quite complex. His past seems to be a bit of a sleep around. I think the term now is F-boy. Um, <laughs> but, but then he seems to be going through like an inward journey um, with his friend Frank with uh, cerebral palsy, um, telling you that you need him more than he needs you. Who is Elliot as a person? Elliot is a really, really complex, um, really complex person. I think... The more the the most interesting question about Elliot is is where is he going? Like what does he what does he need um to to grow and and to develop for himself? Because I think he's kind of a, a creature of comfort. You know, he doesn't like to um he doesn't like to be too 
bold or, or or kind of stray from the course a little bit. I think he is probably a little bit conservative in his in his relationships in that he maybe um, withholds some of the more complex um, things that go on in his life and some of the complex emotions that he that he as any person does you know grapples with. Um, uh, I think he's someone that yeah. He's someone that is very much withholding um, and needs to really let go and enjoy the chaos of, of life and love and romance a little bit more. Um, so I think that that journey for me is really fascinating in terms of, okay, where, how is what does this person need to grow? Like what is the thing that's out there for them that is going to help them be more open or be more themselves or be more comfortable within their own skin? And I think we meet Elliot right at a point of him starting to critically analyze that a little bit. There is a bit of a twist in the series. I won't ruin it for anyone, so I won't go down that path. But I did want to ask you, um, do you think there are Elliots out there or is this character merely a, a hope for the future? Um, yeah, I think there are. There, I think, you know, there are so many uh, there is an increasing number of, of i guess um positive male role models that are coming to the fore there still could be so many more and there still could be a lot more kind of um i guess nuance and and you know fresher perspective added to these roles but i think if you if you look at for example a series like Heartbreak High, some of the male dynamics and some of the some of the, the kind of masculine tropes within that series are really quite revolutionary. And I think that's there's a bit of a wave of that at the moment, um, where we're starting to see these kind of more tender masculine roles. Um, what I really love about Elliot is that we see a, a, a man in a in a caring and nurturing role for a change. Um, because I don't think it's something, it, it's not something we're typically used to. Um, I think there's always, there, there's kind of a stigma or expectation that caring, nurturing roles are undertaken by by women and women alone. So men don't really have the same accountability to do that. And I think that's something that needs to, or that, that is being broken down and, and, and should shift. Um, I think it's really important to see, yeah, men in those, in those caring and nurturing roles. Well, you know, I laughed and I cried in the series. And to be honest, I cried a lot. <laughs> I, I just wish the series was exactly how life was. It, it felt, I sort of mentioned this in the last question, but it felt kind of idealistic, but also totally attainable, especially um, if we are making series like this. I, I sat for a long time after watching this series, feeling like I'd learned so much, but can't like articulate perfectly perfectly exactly what it is that I learned. Can you, can you help, help me out? What, what can people um, that do not have a, a physical disability take away from this series? Yeah. Really good question, Aaron. Um, yeah. That's a, it's a big, it's a big thing. I think, I mean, there's so much in it. There's so much in it packed into the, you know, the 70 or 60 minutes that, that the audience sees. Um there's a lot. I mean, you have four our leads, and and you know also our kind of the the extended cast. They're all people that are really trying to understand themselves 
ourselves and trying to understand each other and trying to learn from each other, trying to grow from, uh, grow with one another. And I think that's a really, it's a simple, but like kind of beautiful thing. It's, it's, it's kind of the, the most, um, it's kind of the most sacred special part of, of what a community should be, you know, people coming together, wanting to grow and learn and support one another. I think at its core, that's kind of how I reflect upon the latecomers world. Um, and I think, yeah, that's the, the foundations of it is, is, is that, um, and yeah, there's, and there's so many things to take away from it and so many meanings and, and different connections that people will have. But yeah, I think that understanding that willingness to understand and reflect um, yourself and other people is, is a really yeah simple but but beautiful thing so with your character elliot how close in in real life is, is he to you in the sense are you the sort of quiet sort of sensitive type or are you more the i don't know party type like do you do you find a connection with elliot at all or is he are you completely different um i think i definitely have a curiosity in in um in elliot's kind of uh i don't want to use the word conflict but the, the the growth that Elliot is is um going through, or as I mentioned earlier, kind of what he needs, where he's going, that thing is something that really fascinates me. And yeah, for sure there's been there's been points in my life where I've been like, okay, I'm at this point now. What do I need to shake things up? Or how can I how can I pivot or what's the next chapter? What's what's the next phase of growth for me? Um is is kind of something that yeah, I I've definitely been a acutely aware of at points in my life um i think i'm at a point now you know where i'm starting to realize you can't control everything um and that's absolutely fine um yeah so there's that aspect that i think i can relate to um but i um yeah i have an immense curiosity for that complex as well because i think yeah everyone is different and everyone has a different you know path and um I think, yeah, I, I, I'm really interested in um, Elliot's journey of kind of embracing what his path is now. Um, yeah, and obviously the, the kind of the work that I've done within within schools, working with kids, that that's something that I really connect with. And then to kind of bring that lived experience for myself into this character was something that I dreamed of and I didn't think I'd get kind of, you know, now in what I still consider the infancy of my career. Um, so, yeah. Look, I've asked you quite a few deep questions. So now here's a nice shallow question for you. <laughs> um, like, obviously it's hard to ignore the, the audience will respond to you in, in terms of, of looks as well. Um, especially the shirtless scenes and stuff. Do, do you get a lot of attention from people? Like, do you like the attention or you, you hate it? Cause you obviously have a, have a nice cultural background too. Um, I guess, uh, <laughs> yeah, there is actually quite a kind of, um, a, a deep significant point to that question as well. Um, going back to my first job post drama school, I was in a, a play in which I kind of, um, how do I put this? Uh, my physical appearance was something that, um, was of, uh, I guess, um, I had to, so I'm not sure how else to put this other than I had to, I had to kind of 
bulk up for it and, and buff up a little bit. And, and um, yeah, I threw myself into that process, like really excited by it, by the challenge, I guess. And then upon audiences seeing the show, it was something that was quite overwhelming, but the really significant part of it that I kind of learned to recognize. And I think now I, I kind of carry it through is that it, it's important to honor like the female gaze and it's important to objectify men as much as, um, uh, I guess it, it's important to objectify men as they haven't been so much in the past. Um, and to, to show what the female gaze is. Um, and yeah, the majority of the women in, sorry, a majority of the writers on, on our team are women. Um, we're, we're led by a female director. So I think that lens and that aspect of the story, it is really important to show that. And I think it's something that, yeah, you'll start to, we, we're definitely starting to see more of, um, I guess I, I embrace it as kind of honoring the, the female gaze. Um, and mm. yeah, it's also a, a good way to kind of focus in and prepare for a role. I find it just keeps you to a good routine and, and keeps everything balanced, I guess. I like that. A shallow question with a deep answer. Beautiful. <laughs> um, look, we have to wrap up uh, in a moment, but let me just ask you, what, what's what's next for you? Like um, any projects coming up? Um, I've got um, a little bit of theatre work that's kind of bubbling away at the moment. Um, it's been a really good year and I've kind of had a good run of, of plays and, um, and TV work. Um, to be honest, uh, all I can really think about right now is just kind of enjoying, um, I guess, the world meeting latecomers and meeting and meeting, you know, Frank and Sarah and falling in love with them, um, and falling in love with the little story that we've created because we're all so proud of it. We're all so so deeply proud of it, and we all really respect it and and. Um, I think honor the privilege of telling the story. So yeah, at the moment, I'm just kind of here to enjoy the process of that and, and whatever comes from that. Um, yeah. Well, whatever accolade you get from um, this series, it is well um, deserved. Um, it's a groundbreaking role. Um, and I hope to see you on our screens with some other great roles again in the future. But obviously that's going to be hard to top this one because this is fantastic. Um, thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Aaron. I really appreciate it. Thanks, mate. All right, that was Patrick Genua uh, from Latecomers. Latecomers will screen uh, Saturday, 3 December at 8.30pm on SBS Viceland and SBS On Demand. The show is six 10-minute episodes, um, and that is how it will play out on SBS On Demand, but will screen in full uh, the one-hour version on SBS Viceland. The series is hilarious, heartwarming, um, and you will be in tears. Do yourself a favour and check this out. It does something for the soul. Um, that's it for this one-on-one -on -one podcast. For all the latest television news, podcast ratings, streaming choices and guides, head to tvcentral.com.au. Until next time, I'm Aaron Ryan and bye for now.